are coming down to the nitty gritty of the NBA regular season. Teams are battling for position in the playoffs. And for some teams, still battling for survival. Everyone has about 10 to 11 games left, and it's time to break it down. Welcome in, Hoop fans. This is another episode of Pick and Pod, WFUV's only NBA podcast, giving you everything you need to know about what's happening in the association. I am Andrew Posadas, and alongside me for the ride is the Kobe to my shack, uh, the Michael Jordan to my Scotty Pippen, Kelly Bright. Kelly, what's happening, Kelly? You are much too humble <laughs> to give me the role of Michael Jordan. I'm definitely more of the Scotty Pippen in the situation. But Andrew, so happy to be back. As always, it's been a, it's been a few weeks. It's been a few weeks since they let you and I host this podcast. But I'm glad we're back because there's a lot going on. And the later we get into the season, as you said, the race just gets more exciting. And I feel like there's even more to talk about. So definitely ready to get down into it. Lots to talk about in this edition of Pick and Pod. We'll react momentarily to what we saw at the Mecca between the Knicks and the Suns. We'll also get into the playing tournament and look at the teams right now positioned to be there once the postseason begins. Kelly and I will give you our choice for the most dangerous play-in team at this moment and towards the end of the show, we'll also do a little pretender contender. Kelly and I will select one team that we think is a contender that you should watch out for come postseason time. And one team that may be pretending, that may be fronting just a bit, uh, we'll let you know who to be weary of come playoffs. But Kelly, uh, let's start right here in New York and what we saw last night between the New York Knicks and the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns able to get out of New York with a 118-110 victory. They snap the Knicks' nine-game winning streak. And that fourth quarter, Kelly, was just back and forth. I mean, the Knicks were right there. And then Cam Johnson, he has a few triples. He had an awful shoot tonight heading into the fourth quarter. And then down the stretch, Devin Booker making shots with Nibi. And then Chris Paul. What can you say about what Chris Paul has been able to do Three ridiculous shots. I mean, nothing that guys like Julius Randle could do, putting a hand in the air. That one three where he just kind of gathers it from his chest, lets it go. It's a beautiful arc. And and then from there, Chris Paul just lets everyone know, like, hey, bump what the Knicks are doing. We're pretty good here in Phoenix. But, Kelly, your initial reactions to what you saw, the New York Knicks keeping it close but, but this Phoenix Suns team is continuing to prove to everyone around the NBA world that they are certainly a legit team, a team that you need to fear in the West. I know Knicks fans are certainly tired of hearing the phrase moral victory. And especially coming off of a nine-game win streak, it's going to be a heartbreaker for Knicks fans. But I'm going to say it anyways. I think this is low-key a moral victory because you said it yourself. The Suns are a great team this year. And how they played last night, I think, exemplifies that. I mean, like you said, you had Chris Paul playing like it's 2009. Like, and this is the year, <laughs> this is the year of old head guards coming together and saying, hey, I'm still here. I can still ball out with the rest of them. You know, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry, you know, Chris Paul's out here in the fourth quarter. Like you said, doesn't matter who's guarding him. He's, he's clutch in the fourth quarter. But 
you know, this was a game the Knicks came out hot. They were leading by as much as 15 at one point, and they also overcame a nine-point deficit in, in the fourth quarter. So they hung with a team that's second in the Western Conference, which is a much more competitive conference than the East, and they were able to hang with them the entire night. So I don't think it's the worst thing for the Knicks. And also, uh, any athlete, I, my softball team, we just broke our win streak. We had a 20-game streak, and we broke it. And yes. we said, you know what? It's a good thing to break it now because I would rather break a win streak in a regular season game than in a playoff series when it matters. So I think for the Knicks fans, this is going to be a test to see, all right, we're facing adversity again. We're going to, we're riding this high and now we're hitting a low. How are we going to overcome this? How are we going to bounce back? You know, they have the bulls tomorrow night on Wednesday. That's a big game for them. Those are two teams who are going to be both in contention possibly for this play in tournament, which we're going to get to later. So that's going to be a big factor of how this game is, how this team is able to bounce back after a loss, because this was, this is a tough loss, but it's not a heartbreaking loss. It's not any reason to hit a panic button. So I'm not too worried if I'm a Knicks fan in this situation. No, I, I tend to agree with you in your conclusion and I actually was there that doubleheader that you had against Army. Jimmy Sullivan and myself were doing the broadcast for ESPN+. Yes. Plus, and you guys bounced back and you won the second game of that doubleheader. So uh, I think it worked out for you guys that afternoon, just kind of taking that loss and then making it into a win and finishing on a good note. Let's move from softball back here to basketball <laughs> and the Knicks. But no, uh, you talk about them getting that 15-point lead. I think they made 18 of their first 25 shots. And you talk about older guards, Chris Paul. What about Derrick Rose and the revelation in his second stint with the Knicks and just how he has been able to evolve and transform his game? He still has some of those flashes of athleticism, some of what we saw back in the day with Chicago, but but certainly has built his game to, to kind of format what the Knicks need from a lead guard coming off the bench. He had 22, uh, six rebounds, six assists. Julius Randle had 18 points. But, but again, in that fourth quarter, it just comes down to made shots. And then when you got guys like uh, Mikhail Bridges, who knocks down a few shots, I mentioned Cam Johnson knocking down three three-pointers in that fourth quarter. Devin Booker ended up with, with 33. And then Chris Paul, you know, the final seven points for Phoenix to just shut the door. I, I think at the end of the day, if you're the New York Knicks, you just you kind of shake the Suns' hand. You shake Chris Paul's hand and say, you know what, those are some tough shots. Uh, there's not much better defense that we could have played, especially that one, that three-point shot over Julius Randle. I mean, Julius Randle's staying right there with him, sticks his hand out, you know, tries to contest, but it's just, it's great defense, just better offense at the end of the day. So if you're the New York Knicks, you know, there are still growing pains. You know, there are going to be times where this team is going to be faced with adversity or or go through a a hiccup or a bump in the road. And that's something that you take with you as you continue to build. I mean, nobody thinks the Knicks are are going to get to the conference finals or even the semifinals of the, of the playoffs. This is a process as Sam Hinkie and and those guys over there in Philadelphia had once said, and, and what Joel Embiid likes to traditionally talk about, it is a process. So for the Knicks, you know, it's a hard fought game. They were in it till the end, but Phoenix, just made a few more shots and they kind of have that X factor. And Chris Paul, a guy who's been there before done that the Knicks are looking to build towards that. And I think it's just a good sign because the Suns, if I'm not mistaken, Kelly, they're 24 and 10 
against teams 500 or better. That's the second best record in the NBA to that other team in New York, the Brooklyn Nets, who we know when they're at full strength, even when they're not at full strength, they're still number one in the East and we know how good they are. But again, for the Knicks, they battled and that's what they've done all season, Kelly, uh, against the better teams. They play up to them. They don't play down to anybody. They play hard. They're competitive. They keep games close with that defense. And I think you kind of just chalk this up to, you know, we played great, but Phoenix was just a bit better than us. And it's something you learn from and you take with you as the Knicks are solidifying their, their place in the postseason. Right. And you got to remember, Julius Randle had an off night for him. He had 18 points. He's been averaging much higher than that, especially in, in this past month. He is playing at an all NBA level and he had one off night and yet the rest of his team still came through. Like you mentioned, Derek Rose, 22 points. Bullock had 17. RJ Barrett had 17 quick off the bench with 11. He had a shot from the logo, which, you know, he's just been that spark plug for them all season. So this is a team that even that that's proven that they can still play with top dogs, even when their top dog isn't performing at his best. So I, again, like I said, I don't, I don't think they have anything to worry about too much. I, and, and like you mentioned, this team isn't a team that's supposed to finish top three in a conference right now. And the fact that they have a legitimate chance of not even having to deal with the play in tournament, that is exceeding any expectation that anyone had going into the season. And I, I think it is a testament to coach Thibodeau. And what he's been able to do, it's a testament to the front office, front office with Leon Rose and what they've been able to do and, and how they've been able to manage this team throughout the season. And, you know, I, I think this is a solid, a solid loss. If, if that is such a thing, I, I think they have nothing to be worried about. And I think their next few games are a little bit easier. And this is probably one of the hardest games that we're going to have to play. So uh, I think the Knicks have, still have a solid chance of avoiding that, that playing tournament. And like you said, yeah, maybe not making it to a, conference finals but at least winning some games which is more than they've been able to say they've done in a, in a very long time now nah, and kelly the, the loss doesn't hurt the knicks also because of the fact that that the hawks uh the heat and the celtics all lost so at the right. end of the day everyone kind of stands pat you know as the knicks go right now they are at the moment a game two games clear of the play-in tournament miami's right there at, at seven but, but when you mention that, just two games separate them from Miami there, those four spots, and you can imagine those four teams, New York, Atlanta, Boston, Miami. I mean, these last 10 games are going to be so crucial for those four teams. And for the Knicks, they have a six-game road trip. And, and I mentioned uh, we spoke about this on one-on-one -on -one over the weekend, but that six-game road trip now becomes even more crucial, Kelly, because when you think about the, the, the games that they'll have, and after this final game against the Bulls tomorrow, they go to Houston, to Memphis, who's right there battling for, for a playoff spot. The Nuggets, who even without Jamal Murray, and I'll talk about the Nuggets a little bit later, looking really, really good. They'll have to go to Phoenix. They'll go to Los Angeles for matches against the Clippers and the Lakers. And you got to think by then, LeBron James will try and be back to, to get the Lakers going as they make their push in defending their title so those six games right there if the Knicks go two and four one and five I mean with just two games separating them from seventh place that could be potentially catastrophic so if you're coach Tibbs this defense is going to have to be locked in they're going to have to be focused and they're going to have to keep games close so that 
hopefully the, the play of the like of quickly of Rose of RJ Barrett, it continues because the Knicks offense is coming around. They're not all just defense. The offense is continuing to progress in the right direction. But, but those six games after tomorrow's game uh, against the bulls, it, it's going to be tough because the Knicks could either find themselves still in that four five matchup, which is very favorable or potentially there as the seventh seed and then having to play a game in order to earn that seventh seed. There's going to be a lot on that line in that road trip. Oh, easily. And, and you mentioned New York's offense. I saw a stat today. They, in the past two weeks, they're second in the league in points per hundred possessions, which is something that again, they've struggled with all year. It's, it's been their defense. That's been their bread and butter and what they live and die by. And yet their offense, like, like you mentioned, has just been keeping them in, in the game. And you mentioned that that strength of schedule that they're going to have to deal with Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets. That's those are some tough teams, but I think getting those matchups now going into potentially a play in tournament. And then, and then after that, the playoffs, I think that'll be good practice for this team to see how they match up against those elite teams, even going into next year, seeing where they need to develop and, and how far they have to go to be able to be play with the, and hang with those top dogs to be a consistent and reliable fourth seed, not a, Oh, fourth seed one week, ninth seed the next week. So I think this is going to be a good way to measure them, measure this team and see where they are for the remaining of remainder of this year and then going into the offseason. And Kelly, real quickly, if we're just looking now at the Phoenix Suns and what they've been able to do, and we did the season preview podcast uh, and where we gave our, our top eight seeds from the East and the West. If we look back at it, I'm sure you did much better than I. I don't even know. There were some teams that I had in there, but one team that I did have, I believe in the top four was the Phoenix Suns. I thought they could be good enough to, to find themselves hosting a first round playoff series. But Kelly, I didn't expect this and what Chris Paul has been able to do and really taking this team that went undefeated in the bubble. They showed a lot of promise. They weren't able to get in just, you know, too far back to make that play in, in the bubble, but they had a lot of optimism, a lot of confidence coming into this season, trying to take that, that momentum from the bubble and manifest it into what they've done now. And that's a second place in the West. Kelly, just in your opinion, how seriously do you think we should be taking the Suns right now as it pertains to the Western Conference compared to the likes of the, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Jazz? Andrew, you have turned me into a believer since that <laughs> first episode. You're the one who told me, watch out for these, this Phoenix team. Watch out for the, this roster that they put together over the offseason. And, and you were right. And watching that game last night, I am, I haven't seen them play much this year, but watching that game last night, I was – it, it, they have something special there. And I think it, it really shows what having a veteran point guard like Chris Paul can do for a team of young guys. He's really brought this team together. And I think he's made the players around him better. Devin Booker is just playing out of his mind and, and they're getting help from, from people who you, they didn't even think they were going to need help from Johnson and Payne both added 11 off the bench last night against the Knicks. Like you mentioned, McCall Bridges, he's been clutch. And, and now you have Chris Paul who he's, He's just coming, you know, drains three key shots in the fourth <laughs> quarter in, in a great game. And they haven't even gotten to the playoffs yet. And having a veteran who's who knows what those playoffs are like. And, you know, this is a team that, like you mentioned, got hot in the bubble last year. So who knows what they're going to do in come playoff time this year, especially if they're able to be if they're able to obtain home court advantage. So this I think this is a special team, especially in a Western conference that is very interesting because I think 
if you if you take out some of the key injuries that we've seen a lot of big players get this year, I think the one through five spots could be totally different. I mean, the Lakers are down at five and I know up until LeBron and AD went out, they were pretty much a shoe in for the number one seed. And that's what everyone talked about, how they really, they realistically were going to be back-to-back champions. And now they're hovering at a five or six seed in the Western conference. So uh, this is a conference where I think it's going to come down to who is able to get healthy when it matters. Um, Utah jazz have been chilling out at that one seed and their team that have also kind of gone under the radar for me. They're not for me. I know we're going to get into this later, but I'm not sure how, accurate having them at number one really is if they really should be in that one seed but um you know that the western conference is just so talented you know the clippers are are right there one game back below the sun so i i do think they're legit but i think this western conference is one that's extremely talented and uh no matter what team phoenix is matched up with come conference come playoff time it's going to be a battle yeah it's to me chris paul we saw what he did with okc last season and being able to bring that team on, what did he finish? Like fifth place, I believe they were in that four or five range. But but he was able to bring them up there. And now what, what is OKC doing this year? With, with just about the same team, they're there at the bottom. They're going to be in the lottery. They're, they're tanking beautifully. I've never it, seen a t- team tank so it's well. It's crazy, right? What they were last year, a team that made the playoffs, surprised everybody. And then Chris Paul's gone. Billy Donovan's gone. And then they're right back in the lottery. But, but Chris Paul has shown that everywhere he goes the team gets better immediately when he got to to los angeles with the clippers and lob city just uh, transformed right then and there they were making it to the playoffs they were a perennial playoff team he, he's done it everywhere he's gone since he started off um with, with the hornets and, and i think he's that dog he's that general that that leader that they need and With OKC, he had guys like Steven Adams and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and nothing against them, really good players, but now you're giving them the likes of DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker, and those are guys who have all-star level talent, and they've shown it, and there's just a great combination of size, of defense, of shooting, and last night, Jay Crowder, Dario Sarge, they didn't play, so there's depth with this team, and you saw some of these young guys, Mikhail Bridges, how about that? The 76ers traded him on draft night. I'm pretty sure Philly would have loved to have their Nova guy there. Not sure what they were thinking that night, but Mikhail Bridges is turning to a three and D type of guy. You get a guy like Tory Craig who can defend that. That's what he does on the perimeter. And then off the bench with guys like Kaminsky, Cam Johnson, campaign, Javon Carter, who is basically Chris Paul's like stunt double, except he plays a much more intense style of defense, even though Chris Paul, a heck of a defender is in his own right. But, but there's just a little bit of everything there uh, with the Phoenix Suns. And to me that they have shocked everybody at that two seed, but they're going to be a squad that come that second round or even the conference finals, if they can get that far, you know, a team like the Lakers, a team like the jazz, maybe, uh, you know, that's, that's a team that you're going to have to go to battle with for six or seven games and a Chris Paul led squad. You can tell he is motivated. He wants to get to a finals. He just wants to get back to a conference finals. So he feels like they have the pieces to do it. They've done so here. They've taken care uh, of the regular season in terms of their business. Now it's just a matter of transitioning that and seeing if you can bring that into the playoffs and go from there. But I mean, Phoenix, that's a great win. They snapped the, the Knicks nine game winning streak 
and, and they continue moving forward. And that leads me to, to our next topic of discussion, because Kelly, we talk about some of the top teams, those top four teams in the East and the West. Well, before we get to the first round of the playoffs, we have to do the play-in tournament. And as it stands, this is what we're looking like. If the season ended today, the play-in tournament would be as follows. In the Eastern Conference, we'd have the Miami Heat facing the Charlotte Hornets in the 7-8 matchup to see who would get that seventh seed. And then from there, Indiana and Washington. How about the Wizards coming all the way from the basement, uh, rejuvenated? I don't know who cast a spell to, to resurrect them from the dead, but they're there. The Pacers and the Wizards will play. The winner of that game will play the loser of Miami and Charlotte to find out who'll get that eighth seed. And then looking in the West, the Portland Trailblazers, God, Portland, you're just so far low. We'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> a little bit later, hopefully not. But the Blazers right now in seventh, they'd play Memphis, who's there in the eighth spot. My San Antonio Spurs in ninth, they'd play those Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry, who right now is, is super sane, supernova, scorched earth, you name it, he's just the human torch right now with the basketball there in the 10th spot. So the winner of San Antonio and Golden State will play the loser of Portland and Memphis for that eighth spot. So Kelly, let, let's start in the East first. Of those four teams currently in the play-in, who do you think is the most dangerous? I have to go with the Wizards. I don't know how I would go with any other team out of those four right now. You know, they're just peaking at the right time. Russell Westbrook, you mentioned it, is playing out of his mind. You know, they until last night, they were the second hottest team in the league besides the Knicks. Eight-game winning streak, which was the longest they've had since Michael Jordan came out of retirement to play in Washington. So <laughs> it, it's been a long time coming for the Wizards. But Bradley Beal has been consistently averaging over 30 a night. No one's just – that's just flying under the radar – Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double triple double for the fourth time in his career. And Daniel Gafford, who I, <laughs> who I, who I, whose name I don't think has ever been said on this podcast, has been an amazing addition for the Wizards. He isn't playing that many minutes, but in the minutes he's playing, he's been so impressive for this team, especially defensively. He had four steals and four blocks on their Sunday night win, and he's just been a spark plug off the bench, and he's been someone that's been consistent as a big man for them, a modern-day big man who they've been looking for this season. They haven't really had someone that they can rely on in that position, especially defensively, and it, you can just see how it's improved this team, and, and they've just come such a long way. It's hard to believe that at one point they were, they were what 17 and 32 and, and now they've won 10 out of their last 11. So <laughs> this, is, this is a team that has just, I don't know why or how, but something is going on for them right now. They're peaking at the perfect time to enter into any kind of play in tournament or playoff. So I'm going to have to go with the wizards. See, I want to say the Washington Wizards, and it's it's great with what Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook are doing right now. It's it's astonishing. I mean, I think everyone thought they were vying maybe in the Cade Cunningham sweepstakes. Perhaps that's not the case anymore. But I look at one team there, and one of those teams are not like the other, and that team is the Miami Heat. I mean, this is a team, folks. 
They were in the NBA finals. Might I add, I called that last year. <laughs> Look at the tape. I said it on one-on-one on Pick and Pod. Whoever would listen, that was one of the most dangerous teams heading into the bubble. They proved me right. Alex Walls was incredibly happy for that time. So how could I go against my guy, Alex Walls, and the Miami Heat? If they're at seven, Kelly, and they win that one game and they get that seven, and who's there at number two waiting for them? The Philadelphia 76ers. Anybody remember the last time Miami and Philadelphia played in a first-round playoff series? Does anyone remember what happened? Oh, yeah, Miami basically dissected the 76ers and sent them packing. I believe it was a sweep and wasn't even close. So that Miami Heat team, if everyone is healthy, that's all it's contingent on because none right now is out. Tyler Hero, I believe, has a foot. Uh, Andre Godala is out at the moment. Precious Achumwa, their first round pick. It's all been about injury for them. If they can get healthy coming into the next 10 days and they can get that first win against Charlotte, Kelly, Philadelphia is really, really good. I'm not saying they're not, but ooh, uh, Miami, Eric Spolstra, they just, he just knows how to adjust, how to game plan. And I'm sure he'll be licking his chops to get another chance to, to go up against Philly. So yeah, I'm going to say Miami and you don't have a, a very a pleased look on your face. What's wrong? Listen, listen, <laughs> I was just as hot on the heat last year as you were. <laughs> the heat were rising in the bubble. They yeah. were coming together. Mm-hmm. They were the underdogs. They had that magic with them, but that was 2020. This is 2021. It's a new year. It's a new season. And the Heat's theme this year is inconsistency. Mm-hmm. I And they've just been so up and down. They are They go on hot streaks and then they lose five games. And yes, this is a team that has battled the injury bug and the COVID bug all year long, including right now. Like you mentioned, no Kendrick Nunn, no Tyler Hero. But in the middle of a playoff race, their last loss, the Heat had a single first half bench point, which was a free throw, a single first half bench point. So this is a team that, that doesn't have much depth. You know, they do have Jimmy Butler. They do have Bam and Abayo and they have a strong starting lineup when they're healthy, but are they going to have enough to have that same kind of, you know, that same kind of spark that they had last year? I'm not so sure. I just don't think last year I thought it was their year, but this year I'm not as confident, especially with, an Eastern playoff race that is just so up in the air. There are so many teams who are just as questionable as the Heat and just as likely to get hot when it matters. I'm a Celtics fan, and I think the Celtics and the Heat are in a very similar situation this year where it's kind of they, they have the players, they have the coach, but it's just not clicking enough. It's not clicking as much as it should. So I, I think those two teams are teams that could sink into that playing tournament, especially given how these next few weeks go. Um, but I, I'm still, the Wizards are hot right now. The Wizards yeah. are hot. And the Hornets, if the Hornets are able to get back Lamella Ball, I think that's another team to look out for because six of the Hornets' next 12 games are against teams at or above 500. Yeah. And two of their four road games are against teams below 500, but seeking to stay in the playoff race with the Chicago Bulls and Washington Wizards. But if they're able to get LaMelo ball back, I, I think this is a team that has a bunch of young guys who might be able to pull it together in time for the playoffs. But I don't, I don't know if this is the heat's year, Andrew. I don't know. 
No, I agree with you. I think Charlotte's one of those teams, like, they're just a ragtag bunch of young players who have nothing to yeah. lose. So they're going to enter the playing tournament just really all out. Let's just ball out and just see where, where the chips fall. But I don't know. As much as the more things change, the more things stay the same as uh, – whoever made up that that term years and years ago, whoever created that. So I think for Miami, it, it is. If they can get healthy, I think they have that pedigree, the experience, and that's something that bodes well for them, uh, especially against teams like, you know, like a Philadelphia, like a Milwaukee, who, you know, yes, they've had success, but in the playoffs, you know, they've left us wanting more. So we'll see what happens there. Let's move over to the West, Kelly. And when we talk – and we look at these four teams in Portland, Memphis, San Antonio, and Golden State, I feel like we might be on the same page here. Which team do you think is the most dangerous? Well, certainly not the Blazers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we might be on the same page. Actually, I don't know. So here's my thing. Hmm. The Warriors have Steph Curry. And if you have Steph Curry on your team, that is always enough to give your team a chance, especially when he's playing the way he has played as of late. I mean, broke the, broke the NBA record for most threes in a single month with 85. And he still has games left in the month of April. And you know, earlier this month, golden state was four games under 500 at risk of missing the playoffs altogether for a second straight season. And now they're 31 and 30th tied for ninth. They've won seven of their past time. They're above 500 for the first time since March 20th, and they're three games back from Dallas, tied with your San Antonio Spurs. And like I just met, Steph Curry has just been on a tear. He's averaging 38 points a game, 47% from three. And, and if you have him and, and he's able to get help from his supporting cast, which to be honest, they've heard him a lot more than help him this year. But if somehow Kelly Oubre Jr. can figure it out, if somehow Andrew Wiggins can figure it out, Draymond Green has looked reliable. His defense has been great. He's been turning out triple doubles. I think he had 19 assists the other night. So they, they have a lineup that's going to be able to perform well in the playoffs, especially since they have Steph Curry, who he has nothing to lose at this point. You know, nope. he, he really doesn't. He has, he's playing and he's playing like it. He's playing like he has nothing to lose. And now his name is included as it rightfully should in the MVP conversations. And I think his MVP status or even just the thought of him as a potential MVP candidate for the season is going to hinge upon the fact whether or not he's able to get his team into the playoffs. If, if he's, if his team is able to get past that play in tournament, then, then yeah, I don't think his name can be included in that conversation, but if he's able to do what he does and he's able to light it, continue to light it up against uh, these teams in that playing tournament, I think he deserves to be in that conversation just based on how he's been playing. All right. So two things after everything that I just heard you say right now, first of all, I'm not saying that the Portland trailblazers either. You want to know why? Because the blazers won't even be in this position. They're only a game behind Dallas Portland <laughs> will finish in six. They'll be just fine. They, they don't have those type of problems. Dame, CJ, they'll be, they're going to come down the stretch. They'll finish sixth. And who knows, depending how the records match up, you know, th- there's still hope for me. I just want everyone to know here because, you know, Kelly just has this look in her face right now. That's just, it tells a story. And that story is the fact that, that we've been battling all season for Starbucks on a nice friendly <laughs> wager between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Portland Trailblazers on who will have the better record. And currently, Kelly Sixers, if you would quote-unquote, she's not a Sixers fan, but her Sixers this year 
40 and 21. The Portland Trailblazers, 32 and 28. So, folks, this is what needs to happen. 32 and 28. The Blazers still have 12 games to go. Um, the Sixers have 11. So, if the Sixers were to fall a bit, they could stumble. It's not out of the realm of possibility. And the Blazers, now that, you know, CJ, you saw Nurk the other night. Nurk is starting to come back, look real good. If the Blazers finish 10 and 2, we'll see. I'm not out of the woods yet. Kelly, you're right there. It looks like Starbucks is yours. But you know what? Don't count me out. 12 games, Portland, they'll be just fine. Kelly, they won't be in the play. And so that's why I'm not. Their head coach is on the hot seat. Their head coach is on the hot seat. Terry Stotts, Terry Porter, uh, Terry, whatever Hulk Hogan's real name is, Terry something. It doesn't matter what Terry (laughs) the head coach. When you have Damian Lillard and and CJ McCollum, you'll be just fine. That's why I have to agree with you on the Golden State Warriors and why they're the most dangerous team. Think about this if you're the Utah Jazz, Kelly. You have played – this is one of the best – seasons in franchise history and one could argue since maybe that year I think they went to the conference finals with Darren Williams and then but even before that this is probably one of the better seasons since Stockton Malone and what is your reward potentially having to face Steph Curry in a best of seven in the first round and call me crazy but that's not a chalk it up for the Jazz they're going to win in five games and whoever thinks that I think is a little they're dismissing what the Warriors are yeah James Wiseman is gone Clay Thompson is gone but Steph Curry by himself is somebody who can wreck your entire game plan he can wreck an entire series and he is somebody who I think when you talk about what he can do and the attention he's going to bring Kelly that's going to open it up for the people you spoke about like Andrew Wiggins Ubre, even for Draymond to knock down the occasional three. I think as long as you have someone as experienced as Steve Kerr there, if we're talking coach for coach, Quinn Snyder, he's been great. He might be the coach of the year, but against Steve Kerr, I'm sure Kerr will have the upper hand in terms of what he wants to do over seven games. So I have to think Golden State, that's perfect. You don't have to see the Lakers, Kelly. You don't have to see the Clippers. You don't even have to see the Nuggets. You have to see the Jazz or the Suns if you're that seventh seed. So those are two teams that are coming in. Even though the Jazz have been to the playoffs before, that's still a team that doesn't yet know how to win. So even though they're the number one seed, that doesn't mean anything. Steph Curry will go into Utah, drop 52 points, take game one, put a smile on his face, do a little wiggle, and then let you know that this is going to be a long, dragged-out series. So I think for sure, if Golden State, as long as they secure that eighth seed, I think maybe we could see history again, much like we saw that year the Warriors beat the Mavericks, that 1-8 matchup. My Spurs have been on the wrong hand of that against the Grizzlies, I believe. Not, you know, I don't even want to think about it anymore. But certainly the Warriors are capable of, uh, of being that eight seed that that gets a first round upset for sure. Yeah, you just mentioned the Grizzlies too. Don't sleep on them either. No, you know, the, for sure. They, they they just got Jaron Jackson Jr. back, and that's going to be huge for them. I and mean, they're already peaking, and now you bring in that extra athleticism and rim protection. That's going to be super helpful for this team that has played really well defensively. They're averaging nine point four steals per game. That's good enough for the top spot in the league. They're third in the league in assists per game. Tyus Jones from Duke, mm-hmm. he, he's been, he, his assist to turnover ratio is 5.4, which yeah, I'm pretty sure that's got to be top three in the league. And, and they've just been able to take 
a bunch of random guys and make things happen. <laughs> you know, guys I honestly don't know much about, but I just know they've been playing well as of late. Xavier Tillman off the bench, he's been playing solid. They still have a little bit of question marks of them with their outside shooting, but definitely enough to give some of these teams trouble in that playing tournament. I, I don't think any team, like you mentioned, is safe in the West. And, and it might be better for a team like the Warriors to play in this tournament, play in this, uh, come out of this playing tournament, like you mentioned, and play some of those top teams right now, because you mentioned the Lakers are lower right now. And if I don't have to play LeBron till later, exactly. I'm happy. I don't want to have to deal with LeBron in my <laughs> first round out of playing tournament. I, I, nobody wants to deal with that. So I, I think the Warriors are coming together at the right time. And the way this whole play and this whole schedule is shaping out, I think it's it, it could be a surprising surprising postseason for this team that without Clay Thompson kind of seemed hopeless at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's it's going to be very intriguing to see how it plays out because I, I think in the West, as again when you when you talk about the the Jazz and the Suns, those are two teams that you know you mentioned the Grizzlies. They young, athletic. They have a lot of size. Triple J is back. Dylan Brooks is a really, really good defender on the perimeter. And you talk about Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark. I mean, Memphis is just drafted well and guys who can just fit in and they understand their roles. So there are a few teams down there. And even if the Blazers or the Mavericks get down there because they're going to flip back and forth, either of those two teams, I know KP is hurt right now, but, but Luca is still someone that you're going to have to deal with. And he's someone who can win a couple of games by himself. He's proven that in the postseason. And then I mentioned the Blazers again, they're a team that's been there. They've done that. They've been battle tested. So certainly not a team that's going to go into a series uh, against Phoenix or against Utah and say, well, you know, we're inexperienced compared to them. I mean, the Blazers were just in the conference finals a, a couple of years back. So th there's certainly a bunch of experienced teams in the West and I think all, all four first round matchups in the West particularly are going to be very, very compelling and competitive. And we'll see how that all shakes out. But Kelly, before we wrap things up here on pick and pod, as we look at the playoff picture in both Eastern and Western conference right now, I want to play a little contender pretender. So let's start on the contender side. Kelly, you give me a team that, that you think not too many people are talking about, but but we should be giving more attention to as a contender. All right. It would have been easy for me to just say the 76ers because I had so <laughs> many points I could have made just to rub mm. it in your face. Yeah, right. Yeah, how thanks. well this bet has gone for me. But I'm actually going to go with a team that I think is a contender and maybe not for a top four seed even, but to make it out of the play in tournament and be a fifth or sixth seed. And that's the Atlanta Hawks. Hmm. Now, Trey Young is out, which is going to hurt them. But Bogdan Bogdanovich is playing the best basketball of his life right now. The last 14 games where he's either been the primary or secondary ball handler, his numbers have jumped up. He's averaging 21.6 points per game, 4.5 assists, 4.6 rebounds. He's shooting 48.9% from the floor, almost 50% from deep and 90% from the line. So he has really come into this role as a creator and not just a space creator and getting those spots on the floor. He's seeing the ball go into the hoop. And as a shooter, that's going to do tremendous things. You have Clint Capella who leads the league in rebounding. Yep. You have 
John Collins is getting back. He's been out the whole season pretty much. So to get him healthy coming into the playoff time is going to be super helpful for this Atlanta Hawks team who somehow has, again, is one of those teams that has just managed to turn things around. No team in the Eastern Conference has a better record than 20 and 7 in the past 27 games. They are getting healthier and they're showing a lot of potential, especially from their young guys. On Yeka, he was their sixth overall pick from USC. He's starting to show a lot more, you know, confidence finishing at the rim and on defense. So this is a team who I think if they're able to get healthier and stay healthy, they could make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm looking in the Western Conference and I'm looking at at that fourth seed and I'm looking at the Denver Nuggets. And I will say this, a lot of people, and, and rightfully so, when Jamal Murray goes down with that ACL, that's devastating. It is devastating. And for people to say, oh, you lose your starting point guard, man, that's, you know, that's it. But you know what the crazy part is? The Nuggets didn't lose their starting point guard. Their starting point guard just so happens to start at center. His name is Nikola Jokic. He leads the team in assists. He's the guy who's bringing it up the court at times. He facilitates. He initiates offense. So by losing Jamal Murray, yes, you lose arguably your best perimeter shooter and a guy who is kind of like Steph and Dame where when he's hot and he goes off, it's, it's something that you cannot stop. He can go supernova as good as anyone. But yet, Denver is still played well. And that's because of Michael Porter Jr. And this is what I will say. You talk about this sophomore year for him. He's averaging 19 points, uh, about seven rebounds. He's shooting 54% from the field. And he's shooting almost 45% from three right now. He's the first player in NBA history to average 15-5 and on 50% shooting from the field, 40% plus shooting from three in his second season. And everyone talks about Julius Randle. He's the most improved player. You know what? If you give that award to Julius Randle, he's going to smile and say thank you and thank a lot of people. But I'm pretty sure that Julius Randle has bigger things in mind than being the most improved player. I'm sure Julius will tell you himself that he does not deserve this award because of how good he already was coming into the season and just what he needed in terms of having Tibbs and a new system implemented in order for him to thrive. For Michael Porter Jr., I mean, he was only averaging nine points. He was only getting about 17 minutes a game. He was playing behind guys like Paul Millsap, uh, even the likes of Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, who I mentioned earlier. And now with him getting more minutes and with Jamal Murray going down, that's opened the floor for him. And he doesn't need the ball at all times to be effective. And when you got a guy like Jokic and what he can do passing the ball, it, it just makes life that much easier for someone like MPJ I think when you think about his last three games in 26, 39 and shot 66 from three, 31 and seven. I mean, this is exactly what you want. He's the kind of guy, if he can play defense, if he can work on that side of his game, he is an all-star type of player and someone that Denver is going to be happy to slide in as a foundational piece alongside Murray and alongside Jokic. So I think for Denver, that's a team. Now, if they have to see LeBron James, in the Los Angeles Lakers in that first round matchup, it is what it is. But if you're Denver, you're only two games away from loss from the Clippers with about what 10, 11 games left. If they can catch the Clippers and at least get to three and against the Dallas team that may be compromised without Porzingis, that seems like a first round win. So if you're Denver, you get that and get yourself to the semifinals. From there, you ride Jokic, you ride a guy like MPJ. And you, and you see where it goes. But I think the Nuggets, even without Jamal Murray, you add Aaron Gordon, 
you still have pieces there. And I think point guards, Monty Morris and Compasso, they've done enough. They're serviceable. And as long as you have arguably the MVP of the league, Kelly, I don't think you can go wrong. I, I think Denver can absolutely still make noise, even without Jamal Murray. But I want to get now to the other side. And those are teams that are pretenders, maybe teams that people are very high on, but we need to dismiss. So, Kelly, who's a team that you're looking at that may be more of a pretender than a contender? A team that people are high on that has been super disappointing is just it. These things just write themselves at this point. And I'm going to have to go with the Portland Trailblazers. Oh, my God. I mean, you look at the first 40 games of the season and your boy, Dame Lillard, averaging 30 points shooting 45% from the field since March 21st, his averages have dropped significantly 22.6 points per game, 37% from the field. He hasn't been healthy. He's been dealing with knee injuries, right hamstring. His hand was injured. You're right. Nurkic has played well. You know, he's averaged 21 points. He's coming back. That's going to help them. But this team has not been doing well in the clutch. And I think, until until late until Lillard's game started to slip I think having him was covering up the fact that their defense has not played well this year and I think that's a big reason why I mentioned earlier that their coach is on the hot seat because this is a team that has the star power has the defenders on their team to be good at defense but they just haven't their execution has been sloppy they they've let other teams guards just get the best of them so this is a team that I think has really fallen out of where there should be and they and they haven't been doing well in clutch, which you're going to need to be able to do come playoff time. Four of their last games decided by one point. They've lost, they've been four and six since March 21st in clutch games, where the game was within five within five minutes remaining. Dame Lillard, your boy, he's been shooting less than 10% from three in that in those clutch minutes since March 23rd. So this is this is a team that I I don't I think they're sliding at the wrong time, and and I don't see them doing well in this place I don't know I don't know I don't believe like you do I really don't and maybe maybe it's because I've had Starbucks riding on it this entire <laughs> year but I, I really it uh, makes me happy to see this team struggle <laughs> listen I know they've won I, they've lost five straight three of those by you know one possession games I understand that but I feel like Dame is just he's had to do so much that even with CJ and Nurk back he, he's still got to kind of let the reins go in and let them do more I think Dame is kind of you know he wants to do too much and you got guys out there quadruple teaming him what do you want him to do I think for Dame it's just slow it down understand you have CJ you have Nurk back you got to play through them it'll make it easier for you I'm not you know I already I already said what I'd say about the Portland Trailblazers they have 12 games left they'll go (laughs) 10 and 2 they'll be just fine I can do an episode two weeks from now and I'll be very confident in where I stand but you know, it's interesting. You know, I don't have much time to talk about who can be a possible pretender, but I did mention it earlier that there's a team that, you know, if I'm the seventh seed in the East, I want that seventh seed. You know why? Because I get a first round matchup with the Philadelphia 76ers. And you know why? Because when it comes to the playoffs, things tend to slow down a bit. Teams tend to to focus on what you do best and make you do what you don't want to do. What don't the Sixers want? They don't want Ben Simmons operating from the perimeter and having to make decisions outside in. 
That's what teams are going to do. They're going to build a wall. They're going to triple team Joel Embiid, and they're going to force Ben Simmons to have to average at least 20 points per game if the 76ers want a chance to make a run and even get to the conference finals, let alone the NBA finals. They've added shooters. I understand Seth Curry is a better fit than Josh Richardson. I'm well aware of that. But at the end of the day, for Philadelphia themselves, Joel Embiid knows what the deal is. He's going to get doubled. He's going to get triple teamed. And when that happens, can guys like Tobias Harris, who we've seen disappear, he's been ghost like that movie with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. Yeah, he's been Patrick Swayze. He's just disappeared. All that Tobias Harris for as much as he's getting paid, you just can't have performances and like that. So we'll see if he shows up. But Ben Simmons is the key. If you think that he can just give defense and then get dunks and, and things in the paint here and there, and that's going to get you an NBA championship. It's not Kelly. I'm sorry. So for Philadelphia, can Joel Embiid go shack like and carry them? Sure. But I think the NBA has changed and you need to be perimeter friendly and you still have to be able to keep teams honest from there. And Ben Simmons doesn't do that. So if I'm guarding Ben Simmons and he's 15 feet or further out from the basket, I'm just going to double team Joel Embiid and take my chances with him. So I will say that I just think Philadelphia it's just, it's not going to work. Maybe they win a first round playoff series, get to the semis, get to the conference finals. But I have to think at some point, the lack of shooting from Ben Simmons is going to do this team in. As much as it pains me to say you're I'm that, that has been their kryptonite for the past few years now with Simmons. He, he doesn't have that jump shot as much as NBA Twitter freaks out. Every time he does make a three, it's not going to be enough come playoff time. However, they I they do have Doc Rivers, who's been able to coach them through some up and downs this season. They've dealt with injuries. They dealt with COVID. They've had streaks of, of good and streaks of bad, and he's able to keep them pretty consistent in, in, in those top three seeds in their conference. So I think he has he's had experience in the playoffs, and hopefully he's able to be what gives MB that next step in his process to somehow get a ring. Paul Reed for them has stepped up in a big yep. way off the bench, and I think – if I, I think it's worth looking at him coming in and maybe getting a few starts in that center position. He was G League MVP and rookie of the year at one point. So uh, he, he, he has something and maybe he's maybe he's too young. Maybe his basketball IQ isn't there, but he was one rebound shy of a double double in just 10 minutes in their win over at KC the other night. So I, I think they have. They have people off the bench who are going to be able to step up and depending if the other shooters can make up for the lack of Simmons shooting, then maybe this team has enough, but win that Eastern conference, I'm still going to have to go with the nets. I was going to say the the Sixers might, might win you Starbucks, but I have to think if the nets are fully (laughs) healthy, I don't think anybody's going to take the Sixers or the bucks or the heat or the Celtics or even the Knicks. If they were to continue their magic, no one's going to take anybody over uh, a fully intact Brooklyn Nets team and we'll see I mean we're coming down to the final stretch again teams are are finding out where they're going to fit in this playoff picture some teams aren't going to make it some teams are going to get in by the skin of their teeth we're going to figure out more of it Kelly and I you can leave no doubt we will be here for another episode of pick and pod we'll have to leave it there the game's over uh, we'll see right now. It looks like Andrew Posadas might be out of Starbucks sooner rather than <laughs> later. So for Kelly Bright, I am Andrew Posadas telling all the Hoop fans continue enjoying the NBA season and enjoy this final stretch of games as we get in 
to the playoffs. That'll do it for Pick and Pod. And of course, Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.